Welcome to the Project Manager Power Hour, where we are so efficient that we can deliver one hour worth of content in just under 30 minutes. My name is Xavier Billingsley. I am the CEO of EHS and Consulting, where we specialize in staffing project managers, project coordinators, and program managers, as well as portfolio managers within the healthcare and insurance industries. Ready for another amazing episode? Let's go. All right, so I met with one of my students last week and he wanted some advice and best practices on how to, how to deal with change requests. So we met and we went over the situation he's currently dealing with, and which is really common. And we sat down and we came up with some best practices. And there's one specific technique that I recommended that he use every time he's dealing with requests for change. And I thought maybe this would be a good topic for this week's podcast. So let's go ahead and dive into it. Um, let's start with a scenario. So you're you're six months into a nine month project. So of course, at this time, you have all of your baselines done. Your scope has been baseline. Your budget has been baseline. Your duration has been baseline. And that gives us a go live date of September 1st. Now, the scope for the project is to build a web-based platform that will allow customers to research doctors and cost information. Your executive or sponsor comes to you and he submits a request. He was just made aware that there is a state mandate that has to be met by 8-1, which means that you have to pull in your project date from 9-1 to 8-1 up four weeks. And how do you do that? So you have the request and you, from this point, you go to your team and you guys have to figure out how do we get this done? So let's talk about some of the common practices versus the best practices. So some of the common practices are is that a PM says you, you get the request to make a change to one of your baselines. The PM automatically says, yes, we can we can do that. We can pull in our date by four weeks. He meets with his team. They figure out a way to get it done, but he didn't really do the due diligence necessary to ensure that the request and the plan is feasible. They just got together, figured it out without really um, analyzing the implications to making that change. So the team determined that they're going to stand up a new scrum team, which required two resources. Now, since we only have 90 days left to get this done, there's a possibility that those resources may not be at the experience level or have the appropriate skill set required to get this done within three months. And we've also determined that the cost to stand up a new scrum team is going to be $167,000. Now, the PM presented the change request to the change control board and the change request got approved. He was like, okay, fine, $167,000. That's not horrible. Let's go ahead and get this done. We approve it. So as time went on, we found out that because of the lack of 
of skill set from those two developers, the development is taking a lot longer than expected. So it took so long that the project went an additional week over the due date. The executive comes to the PM and he asks, how did this happen? Because if it's one week late and they, and they don't meet that 8181 mandate, the company will be penalized and fined $700,000. So now they have to pay $700,000. And on top of that, the entire project isn't complete. And they've committed this project to 26 of their large group accounts already. It's been, it's been committed. So now they're in a pickle. So the PM says, well, hey, I trusted the resource manager to make sure that they gave me the right people with the right skill set to get this done. So the PM is now placing blame on someone else. Now, does he have a point? He might he may have a point. But in my opinion, the project manager is accountable to making sure make sure that it's feasible to make sure that he's gathered all the risks, all the implications on adding those two resources before he presented this change request to the change control board. Now let's go over some of the best practices. The executive come, Hey, we need to push the pull, pull in our date by four weeks. The PM says, yes. Before he makes any commitment, he says, let me go back to my team to make sure that this is feasible. And so that we can pull together a plan. So it takes him a couple of days. He go and meet with his team and then when he meet with his team, the PM want to do what should do certain things. He wants to want one. He wants to make sure that he's telling the project to fit what the executives want. Okay, so if they come and they say we need to pull in the project for weeks, he's got to figure out a way to make that done, to to get that done. He also have to make sure that he's using trade offs for how to achieve success. So basically, what that means is if. The request is to make sure that we pull in our date by four weeks. What kind of implication does that have on our scope and our cost? There aren't any free trade-offs. It's if you impact one side of that triangle, it's going to impact another side. And we have to keep that in mind. So we have to make sure when we're presenting our change request that we have those principal trade-offs and the implications of that change, okay? Um, the PM should also gather input from SMEs, not just your team, but you should also reach out to the SMEs. So in this example, um, since this will have an impact on 26 of the company's large group accounts, maybe he want to talk to somebody in sales and account management, uh, someone who works very closely with those large groups group accounts, run the solution or the change request by them just to make sure that it's feasible and to get any thoughts and ideas around if there are any risks, how can we get past those risks as well as what are the benefits of going with this solution? Okay. That's very important. And keep in mind that when you're presenting your change request, you, the project manager doesn't always have to talk. You may want to bring in that SME, that subject matter expert, to speak to the implications of making this change. Okay. And lastly, the PM should give the executives the data needed upfront to make clear, sound, informed 
decisions. That's very important. So those are some of the best practices. And then we're going to dive into this a little bit more. Okay, so let's look at the te- technique that I recommended for handling requests for change. So the technique is called four corner trade-offs or it's called project trade-offs. Now, if you've been in project management for quite some time, you should be familiar with what's called the triple constraints, right? So those triple constraints are you have, which, or it's also known as the project management triangle. Those triple constraints are, there's, you're looking at your cost, your scope, and your time. So if any changes are made to any of those sides of the triangle, it's going to begin to squeeze the quality of that, of, of that project or product that you're delivering. So you want to make sure that if you get a request to change any one of those sides, that you come back with trade-offs. Okay, if you want me to reduce scope, if you want me to add more scope, let's use that as an example, then we're going to need an additional $300,000. If you want to add more scope, then we need to increase our project time delivery date out by another two months. So those are principal trade-offs that you want to make sure that you're encompassing when you're submitting and presenting your change request. Okay. Now, project trade-offs is a little different from triple constraints. You're still dealing with your scope, duration, and your budget. Those are still there. And again, if any of those sides are changed or any of those corners, if there's a change to them, it's going to impact one of those other corners. Now, we're going to make this a lot more robust by adding one additional component, which is the risk component. And that means that what we're going to do when we present this change request back to the executives, we are going to make sure that we we're giving them the implications, whether positive or negative of that change so that, again, they can be able to make clear, informed decisions. They know what the risks are. They know what the benefits are. And they should be able to walk away from that change control meeting with feeling comfortable with the decision that they've made. So what are some of the benefits of using four corner trade project trade offs? Uh, one, there's no more fighting. You know, some you don't want to be the, the project manager who you have this beautiful baseline and you don't want to make any changes to them. That, that just that's not smart. Um, projects are meant, you can make changes to your baselines, but one, you have to make sure that they're documented and two, you have to make sure that they're feasible. So you shouldn't find any changes and this, you should make sure that you give executives what they want by providing options and recommendations. And we'll go into that a little bit later. Present data on consequences of changing of changes on a project. So again, as I mentioned in the slide earlier, if there's a change made to scope, it's going to impact one of those other corners. And you have to make sure that you present the consequences of making changes to that one corner and what it will have on the other corners. Okay. Um, you provide the executive with the data they need to make informed decisions. You should use this technique as part of your change control process. Position, this also helps the project manager to position themselves for politics and negotiations. It's strategic positioning. You know what you want. You know what you need. You have all the information necessary when you're presenting this change request that it positions you to be able to influence the executives to 
give you what you need. And sometimes that could just be support. Sometimes it could just be a decision, but you have more positioning and influence and power. And then lastly, the, de- the decisions is based on objective data, not subjective data, objective data. And that's very important. All right. So what are some of the tools you need to be able to use this technique for corner trade-offs? Some of the inputs you're going to need. One, you're going to need your schedule. Two, you're going to need your risk register. And three, you're going to need your change control template or change request template, as well as your change control process. All right. So first, let's talk about your schedule. So the first thing you do when you have that, when once you get, get a request to move up your timeline, is you're going to look at your schedule. And not everything, but the first thing you're going to focus on is your critical path, right? What is a critical path? Again, the critical path is that longest path in your project. And it also means that if one task within your critical path is moved out one day or moved in one day, it's going to change the duration of your project. Okay, so this is something that you, as a project manager, we keep our eyes on all the time just to make sure that our critical path is still intact and it's looking good. So what you want to do is you want to get make a copy of your current schedule so that we can do some modeling. And we want to model different scenarios that we can use for pulling in our dates by four weeks. So two of those, um, two techniques we use to do that. One is called crashing, crashing your schedule. What crashing means is you're going to add additional resources to those critical path activities to bring in your timeline. Okay. So if you have, um, development on your critical path, then what you're going to do right now, you may have one developer working on that. If it makes sense to add two additional developers, kind of like what we're doing, we're standing up an additional scrum team just to work on the coding for that mandate. So that's what we're doing. So we're going to crash our schedule to bring in our critical path by four weeks. Another option you can use is fast track. Fast tracking means that you look at your schedule and you look at on that critical path, what activities can you run in parallel? Running parallel and parallel means that these are activities that you're doing at the same time that will bring in your date. Now, fast tracking has a little bit more risk added to it, but you know, you, you have to work with your team to make a decision on if you guys want to accept that risk and just move forward. Okay. So that's one of the first things you're going to do is again, make a copy of your schedule so that you can model different situations on how to bring in your critical path from down by four weeks. Okay. And then remember, you're also going to use your risk register. Now your risk register, I talked about this um, a couple of podcasts ago, but you're going to use your risk register. And one of the things that you're really looking to get out of this is your risk score. Okay. So I know that sometimes we present, we'll say that we have a certain confidence level, maybe 50%, 60%, 80% confidence level that we can finish our project on time. And most often that data and that piece of information is subjective. So by using our risk register, and I'm more than sure that you're going to have more than one risk, trust me, 
you're going to do an average of all those risks to come up with your risk score. So in this particular example, our risk score is 73%. Okay. So I'm going to come back to that because we're going to take information that's within our risk register and we're going to pull it from here into our presentation. All right. So when you're at your change control board and you're presenting this, this is just a recommendation now, but you're presenting this. And the first thing you want to do is go over your current state. So based on the risks that we've gathered from the project team, we have a 73% confidence that our go live date will be met. You mentioned your problem statement, which is you have a request to finish your project four weeks earlier. If you don't finish four weeks earlier, then you have the possibility of paying a $700,000 fine because the mandate wasn't made. And then you don't, you can pull in not all of your risk information, but basically you want to pull in the risk, the probability, the impact, and that risk score into this particular slide. And then from there, you're going to dive into options. You need two to three options and one recommendation. Okay. So option number one, for this example, is we're going to reduce our scope to only include the deliverer, the MVP, come come eight one. Okay, so this is impacting the scope side of that corner, and of course the risk as well. So based on but what the team and I discussed, there is we have an eighty percent confidence level that if we go with this option that we can deliver everything by 8-1, or at least deliver the MVP by 8-1. The cost impact, there isn't a cost impact. We're going to push our date out by a couple of weeks. Now, i dive into there later, into that a little bit later. There's no cost impact. The benefits to consider, increased focus on delivery, because now folks are just focusing on getting the minimal viable product done, as well as the changes for the mandate. So you have increased focus on delivery. Okay, um, it increases the confidence level in meeting the mandate, and there is no additional funding needed if we go with this option. Now, the risks to consider are pretty hefty. Um, the project has been committed to 26 of our largest large group accounts for 9 1. Okay, so we're only delivering the MVP come 8 1 and not the full solution. So the delivery of the full solution will move from 9 1 to 9 15. So that means that we're we've committed to delivering this by 9-1. So we're going to push it out two weeks. So that date is going to move to 9-15. There's uh, 15 days that we have to somehow work with those large group accounts and try to see if they're okay with it. But we've spoken to our SME. Remember, we talked about bringing in the SME just to make sure that you have all of those um, um, the, the, the positive and the negative implications. After speaking to them, they said that there is no way that they will, that their customers would agree with pushing this out by two weeks, which means that later we may end up having some customers dissatisfied because we're pushing our data out by two weeks. All right. Option number two, which is our recommendation, which is to stand up a new scrum team. If the velocity is not where it should be within 30 days, remember we're working with a team that's not that experienced. 
So we have to consider the risk that because we're not that experienced, that it may take a little bit longer. So what we decided to do as a contingency plan is to pull in Johansson, who is the best developer in the, in, in the company. He's worked on numerous projects that are the same. This particular application, he knows like know like the back of his hand. So we're going to pull him from the project that he's currently working on and allocate him to our project as 70% for 45 days to ensure the deadline is met. Now, this is a contingency if the velocity isn't where it should be within 30 days. Okay, that's our trigger date. Now, our confidence level for this, there's a 90% confidence level if we go with this recommendation that we can deliver our changes on time. Okay, the cost impact is 167,000 to 192,000. Why do I have a range here? If we, if our developers are able to hit those dates in our timeline on time, then we're looking at $167,000 cost impact. Now, if we have to pull in Johansson, then that's an, that's additional money we need for 45 days. So that will cost us $192,000. We just want to make sure that again, that the executive has, has all the data that he or she needs so that they can make clear and informed decisions. Now, the benefits to consider is increased customer satisfaction, because if we do it this way, then we'll have the project completed by 8-1. Actually, we're delivering 30 days earlier. Okay. The commitment to a large group of accounts will be met earlier than planned. Okay. Now, the risk to consider is the resource John Hansen will be pulled from one of our top 10 projects that we have across the organization. Not only is it one of our top 10, but there are up, there are five other projects within the organization that are considered a part of that top 10 that have dependencies on this project. So pulling Joe away for 45 days can cause implications on these six projects. So we present that information. This is our recommendation. And what we also want, just let me add this, considering the risk around pulling that resource off this particular initiative, we want to make sure that when we present our option that we ask the executives for support in making sure that we can secure Johansson for those for that four to 45 days in case we need them. So make sure that you have the executive support so that they, we can get in front of it. They can go to his manager high up and make sure you deal with someone a little bit higher up on the totem pole. We can go to his manager and make sure that if we need Joe, and we need to pull our contingency plan that he's available. Okay. So this is again, the, what's called the four corner trade-offs. Remember we're taking that triangle, the triple constraint, the project management triangle, turning it into a square, adding the risk component where we're showing the positive as well as the negative implications of those changes. We're showing and then from there, we present present those trade-offs to our executives. Make sure they have all the information they need so that they can make informed decisions. They say yes or no. They've made their decision. They have everything that they need. And then we move forward. Okay. All right. So um, this is my presentation on doing handling change requests. If you have any questions... If you have any comment, if you use this before, or even if you know any other techniques that you use in your organization that you want to share, 
please do so that we can make sure that as a community, project management community, that we're adding the best value that we possibly can for our stakeholders. Right. Well, thanks for joining, guys. Again, I'm Xavier Billingsley, and thank you for joining this week's podcast. Looking for talented project managers? In today's climate, you need the right talent to deliver your organization's critical strategic initiatives. When needed, partnering with the right staffing firm can make all the difference in the world between a project being successful or a project failing. At EH Hudson Consulting, we specialize in the training and placement of project coordinators, project managers, and program managers in the health insurance and healthcare industry. Unlike other staffing firms, we are experts in the art of project management, and we only staff project managers. Our focus is primarily on building high-performing teams and strategically matching the right talent with the right projects.